For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I will all day and every day cheer for the Minnesota Twins today. Dave Cook is shrugging at me with his jaw agape. Why? Well, because I just, just figured something out, Brian. It's one of those truths in life. So the Twins haven't been able to develop pitching really my entire life. Well, that's because the song doesn't mention pitching. Yeah, it only it's says just, that the guys will knock the cover off the right, ball. Right. They needed to add something about throwing splitters or something. That would have helped. But to be fair, they've never addressed it until last season, so they would have changed the song a year ago. Well, no, they'd had to change it when it first came out, and that way, you know, Louis Tion stays and, and some of those and other... And Jim Codd and those guys. Right, right, because, you know, we got guys who throw, you know, 3-2 change-ups on the corner, you know, so we got to do something about that. The lyricist that is Dave Cook. I'm Brian Prudhomme. Welcome back to the Northland Sports page. The last line of that Twins rouser is cheer for the Minnesota Twins today. We will do that despite it being December 9th because we pride ourselves on baseball having no offseason on this show. That's correct. So with that, we bring in Nick Nelson with Twins Daily. That's another organization kind of after our heart because, Nick, first of all, good morning. And I would imagine for you guys, baseball has no true offseason either. Good morning. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, definitely not. It's, uh, it's, it's a 12-month-a-year uh, thing, but it's been pretty quiet this offseason, so uh, we're, we're struggling to find things to talk about, honestly. I was going to say, baseball having no offseason in the literal sense, that is the Twins right now. There has been no offseason, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, not a lot to get excited about after that breakthrough season. You know, they come right out and say they're going to drop payroll. They're very forward about that, and then everything that's happened since has been uh, losing guys who were key parts of the team and, and no additions so far. So, you know, moves are coming, but uh, it's uh, sort of an awkward phase to be in. There's not a lot to really uh, wrap your arms around. But I want to address one of those losses that I do agree with you on because you defended this on Twitter, and maybe defend is not the right word, but it's close. The Sonny Gray uproar because we let him walk was, oh, this is typical twins not having the budget for it, and second in the Cy Young, and we just say, see you later. For that price at that age, and with starts that were good numerically but still under duress, I kind of agree with the Twins for not going that route to keep him. Yeah, I think when you throw in the draft pick compensation that they got with him uh, signing elsewhere, it's really a no-brainer. Uh, you know, I think I'd be pretty hesitant to pay that kind of money to a guy who's going to be 34, 35, 36, coming off a career year, coming off throwing way more innings than he has in any of the past several seasons. You know, there's a lot of warning signs there with Gray. Um, and then you account for the fact that they're going to get a, you know, a, basically a first round draft pick uh, in the same area where they drafted Chase Petty, who they traded in order to get Gray to begin with. Um, you know, I think that's how you keep that pitching pipeline d- developing. That's true, except, of course, the piggyback question then is the Twins are basically planning on Chris Paddock being unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're going to need a lot from Paddock, but I, I have no doubt that they're going to at least, you know, add at least one more impact starter this offseason. So we'll see how, how ambitious they are in that pursuit. That's a great segue, Nick, because who's left? Like, I don't want the Twins. I mean, we want the Twins to spend, but do you really want to spend, you know, three years, $60 million on Lucas Giolito? Like, how in the world do you – I mean, who is – Brian and I talked before the before the show that maybe they should just say we're going to go with this rotation and spend – the similar amount of money on two stud relievers. 
Yeah, I mean, the relief market might might be a little more fruitful in that regard. I, I think that if they're going to add pitching, it's probably going to be in a trade. Um, you know, I mean, that's how they got Pablo Lopez. That's how they got Gray, Maeda, Paddock, Joe Ryan. I mean, all of these pitchers that are in the mix right now came through trades. So yeah. there's really not much reason to think they're they're not going to do that again, especially when they have this sort of stockpile of, of infielders that they can trade from. So one good segue deserves another because trades, you're right, it has been the, you know, motivator, if you will, the MO of the Twins front office in the last couple of seasons. That's really the only Twins headline that there's been recently is, you know, Jorge Polanco drawing interest. Are his days numbered? And if they are, does he net you back any kind of pitching that you can rely on? Or is it just a prospect pipeline that you get back? Yeah, I'll be really curious to see what his market is like. I think the odds of him being traded are are very strong. I would expect him to be gone by uh, opening day next season. I just think with Julian breaking through, um, you know, and a few other infielders that they have lined up. And, you know, with I think Polanco's value still being pretty good, uh, he's a very productive player. I think he's viewed very highly around the league. The question is, do people believe that he's healthy? Uh, you know, I mean, he was still kind of limping around uh, even in the playoffs this year. So I think it's a little hard to trust in those legs. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor in what they can get back. But um, he's under contract for two more years at a pretty good price, and he's been an all-star caliber player when he's healthy. So I do think people might be surprised by what they get back. So the question then I have is the sidekick. Um, you know, we've had Max Kepler's numbers were very, you know, similar to Miguel Sano's for a couple of years. And now he had half a season where he tore the cover off the ball to uh, just like the, the song. Asked for yeah. yeah. Um, are we way over? And I think the answer to this is yes, by the way, are we way overvaluing that three months? And if will the league overvalue that? Will if they trade Kepler, will they get a little more because holy cow, look, he hit three hundred in the second half. I think there's been a pretty high perception of Kepler because you know he's a great defensive player. Um, you know, if you look at his like stat cast measurables, I mean, he rates very yeah, highly in yeah. all these different traits that that front office is like. Um, and I think one year of of control at ten million dollars compared to the market uh, at corner outfield and right field especially, uh, he looks pretty favorable. But, yeah, I think, you know, you look at the long-term track record, I think it's a little hard to buy into that. But at the same time, it, it looked pretty real. It looked like he kind of figured that out, what's, you know, overcame some of the things that have been holding him back over the years. So another one, I, I'm not really sure what the market will be like, but I think there will be a decently strong one. We are chatting with Nick Nelson of Twins Daily, talking about the Twins offseason or lack thereof in this instance. Nick, the segment before you, we play a game called Buy or Sell. And I asked the guys that were playing it with us, this question, because I said in five minutes or 10, as it turned out to be, I was going to ask Nick Nelson. So here you go. Buy or sell that you're okay with the Twins' lack of activity because as you look at the rest of the American League Central, this division isn't doing anything either. Cleveland's in a weird spot. Chicago's still seemingly in a fire sale look. Kansas City's too young. Detroit's probably the second best team in that division, but well behind the Twins. Yeah, I mean, I don't think from at this point, any of those teams would be would have an over under of even a 500 record, would they? I mean, maybe the Tigers, uh, but I mean, these teams are unloading. Um, White Sox are being pretty clear about blowing it up. Cleveland is cutting back payroll from a pretty low level already. I mean, these are not. I'm curious to see what Detroit does. I could see them making a significant push, but otherwise, there's no resistance in this division. I mean, it'd be the Twins for the taking, and it's really at that point you got to get some playoff starters and, and start thinking about that aspect. I agree with you, and that leads into the counter to that argument where you can be okay with lack of activity because your division is fine, but you mentioned it yourself. It was a breakthrough season last year, so the division shouldn't be enough as a goal anymore. So should this team, you know, we always see the the meme or the picture on Twitter where it's, it's the guy poking with a stick asking the team to do something. 
Should this team be more active because you want to take that next step because the fans are with you now? Yeah, no, they, they, they need to make some moves, and, and I'm confident that they will. I think they know that. Um, you know, these, these payroll implications, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to come, come to bear and it's going to limit them, but it, it's something to work around. But they're going to find a way. They know they need more pitching. I mean, we saw what happened this year. The depth of pitching was huge. I mean, Tyler Malley went down. I mean, that was a guy they were counting on as a potential frontline starter, and they barely even noticed it because they were set up to, to, to take that blow, and they got to be in that same place, I think, next year. So, uh, yeah, they, it would, there'd be no excuse for not making some significant additions, and I think they really need, they need a guy that's going to be at that Sunny Gray level. So, Nick, we were, um, Brian and I were talking about this as well. And when you're trying to save payroll, one of the things the Twins have to figure out is Buxton, right? Is he a center fielder or is he a DH? And so the question is this. Michael Taylor came in last year and kind of saved the Twins' season. But this year, if you need pitching and you're going to cut uh, payroll, is this Austin Martin's center field to to uh, have? I mean, is it his right now unless, unless something weird happens because we need that money for pitching? Yeah, I don't know if they would turn to him right away. They probably want to give him a little more time. I mean, he was very encouraging in the second half at AAA. Um, but, you know, they also have Nick Gordon and Willie Castro, who are sort of uh, plugs, you know, interim guys you could use. I don't think any of either of them are ideal. Um, I, I still think they'll go out and, and find another center fielder, though. They're just going to let this play out a little bit. You know, the um, Donovan Solano and Michael A. Taylor signings both came very late last offseason because they just wanted to gather information and see where Buxton and Kirloff were at and, I think that's going to be kind of the same thing this year. They'll see what's available in January and February, and um, I do expect them to still be active in that center field market just because, yeah, you can't, unfortunately, you can't count on Buxton, although if he plays center field, that would be amazing. It would be. So we are talking about the Twins' lack of offseason, but there has been a busy one for the American League East. The Shohei Otani rumors, we still have to call them that, to the Blue Jays seem to be gaining steam, if you will. And then, of course, the New York Yankees are back to their old tricks of Let's just buy the biggest superstars available in the game because we tried this homegrown talent thing and we haven't sniffed the World Series in a decade and a half. What do you think of Soto to New York? Because my first reaction, I sent somebody the puke emoji, but then I said, hopefully they do as well as the Padres did with him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. It's utterly wild that a player of Soto's caliber has been traded twice before age 25. Right. Uh, kind of hard to comprehend, but uh, it's a huge move for them. I mean, he's going to be incredible in that ballpark and that lineup. Uh, you know, as a Yankees hater, it's, it's quite dreadful. But, um, again, that's what the Twins are going to have to be gearing up to face in the postseason, so they better bring it this offseason. Are you a little bit surprised by something Brian Cashman said? And I thought, you know what, Felvier Levine could say this about Buxton, but I just can't see him doing it. When Brian Cashman was asked about the Soto acquisition and are they done, he said every year we've had Giancarlo Stanton, we, he's had an injury. we got to prepare for that again. It's kind of calling somebody out. I just can't see Felvier Levine saying, well, you know, Buxton's made a glass, so we have to address it. The point is there. I just thought the wording was strange. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. At some point, it just kind of is what it is, right? But, um, you know, these guys, obviously, I mean, Buxton especially, I mean, he works his ass off. It's really sad to see some of the comments online, you know. But, uh, but I mean, I get why people are frustrated. You know, it's, it's uh, not having him on the field is a huge bummer, and uh, he really changes the game when he's there, and that's, that was true of Stanton as well. There's a lot of things in the sports world right now, Nick, where I ask myself, what kind of parallel universe am I in? You know, the Timberwolves are actually good. I'm having a hard time grasping that. The Minnesota Twins won a playoff series this year, still kind of coming to grips with that. But then you look at this situation for the Minnesota Twins, and things are just kind of weird where pitching is still their strength, even with the loss of Sonny and Kenta. Do we say that this pitching staff is in a good place? I do think the staff is in a good place. Uh, I mean, to have, you know, a guy like Barland in the number five spot uh, with no additions being made is, is good. I do think 
they need more depth, uh, you know, as we discussed, and it's going to be interesting to see. They drafted a bunch of pitchers, uh, college pitchers last year in the 2022 draft, uh, who looked really good uh, at single A this past year. There's a handful of guys, and I think, um, you know, several of those guys could become factors in the depth pipeline really quickly. So that that's going to be key. Can they churn out a few more of these Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, um, Louis Varlins, you know, some of these internal guys uh, that are going to be less expensive, controllable, you know, payroll friendly. I think that's going to be the key. And that's really what Falvey was brought in to do from Cleveland. So a quick follow up to my parallel universe point is this baseball seems to have forgotten already. And it wasn't that long ago that their defending champions in the next season will be the Texas Rangers. I know that's strange to say, but here we are in the off season and it's still talking about the same big spending teams, the Yankees, the Padres being involved in the trade, of course, you know, what is Toronto going to do or not do? Are the Texas Rangers just kind of over there going, we'll just win again. Don't mind us. Well, I did see they were in the headlines yesterday saying uh, that because of their uh, TV situation, they might have to scale back their spending, actually. No, you mean that affects somebody beside the Twins? Don't tell Twitter. Yeah, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it just gives you some perspective that this is happening in a lot of places. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they are locked into some big contracts already, so there's not there's not too much cost cutting they can necessarily do. But uh, yeah, great year for the Rangers. Um, that's funny. I went and had dinner with a guy last night. Uh, he's a Rangers fan, and before the season, we made a bet uh, whichever team won first a playoff game, we'd buy each other dinner. And the Rangers ended up uh, winning that by like two hours. <laughs> that's not fair. You got to take that up with uh, Manfred for start times. You lost on a technicality. Right? Hey, Nick, a uh, question for you on uh, you said, you know, we have Louis Varlin as our fifth starter. Are we really excited because we saw Louis Varlin in the bullpen light people up? And now we're going to, now the expectation is, is he going to bring that? But that's to why the I don't want him to be the fifth starter. Right. No, I, I agree with what you're saying, Brian. I want a Nick's, Nick's take on this because they just put Blazovic in the, in the bullpen period uh, because his stuff plays up. Are we going to be disappointed when Louis is a four ERA starter? That's a great question. Yeah. I, you know, I was just thinking about this because it's nice that he has that baseline now that he, we know he can be a lights out reliever. And I think it'll probably make the twins a little less patient uh, if it's not working out as a starter, but I'm, I am curious to see what happens if he brings that cutter that he sort of introduced uh, in, in the relief role back to the, the starting role. Cause I don't think he was really using that before. And it was a huge ingredient in why he was just dominating everyone. It was like totally unhittable. So um, I still have some hopes for Varland as a starter, but uh, I mean, when you look that good in a relief role, I mean, you kind of, I think it's in Rocco's head now. I would agree with that. Talking to Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. Nick, I want to close with this, and I want to apologize to you because I usually either open with it or put it in the middle or both. Talking to Nick Nelson of Twins Daily, some people out there might be going, what is Twins Daily? First of all, it's a website that I tend to be married to during the baseball season or even during the off season. Tell everybody the great content that they can find and how to get it. Yeah, twinsdaily.com. Uh, come and check out uh, the front page and create your own blog. You can you can write. You can comment on the message board. Just conversations happening all the time even here in the the heart of december about baseball we're always finding stuff to talk about and uh staying on top of the news and and the rumors and everything so uh come on by if you're if you're a big twins fan it's a it's a great place for everyone so right now what is the most popular topic you think at twins daily is it the joe mauer willie or won't he come january being on the first ballot i don't think he should but there are a lot of people younger than me that vehemently disagree that he should be a first ballot is it this team needs to make moves because they haven't or is it something else that we haven't addressed at all? No, I mean, it's, you know, I think there's a lot of Joe Maurer talk and just, uh, just the rumor mill, you know, picking out whatever we can. As you mentioned, you know, Jorge Polanco's had his name 
out there a little bit. Um, but I think everyone's really just waiting for the big, the big dominoes to fall, mainly just Otani. Uh, so, you know, there's always something going on. All right, Nick, we appreciate your time. We do each Thanks, and Nick. every time you join the show. We are bumping you out with the song You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet because we think it's the perfect title song to the Twins offseason. Hopefully by the time we chat again, things are much, much different. But I'll tell you what I hope isn't different, the Twins winning the American League Central. Thank you again, my friend. Appreciate it. Hey, sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. That's our guy, Nick Nelson of Twins Daily. When we come back, we go local. This place loves hockey. We love to skate. There's an opportunity to do that. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A little cold as ice. It is December 9th, and I'll tell you what, Mother Nature did not get that memo. It is not cold as ice out there. Dave Cook is fumbling his headset, but he'll make his way back to the show here shortly. I'm Brian Prudhomme. He is Dave Cook. We are the Northland Sports Page. Set to talk a little bit of hockey, but more specifically the skating aspect. But again, we can't talk anything without our great sponsors. Yeah, let's start with Aurora Architecture Studio. You know, once again, we talk about, you know, if you need anything uh, architecture related, whether it's your business, uh, your home, you know who he could, he could do a good job if the city of Duluth called him and he could retile the um, the uh, tunnels into something that was pretty. There you go. Um, you know, he, he, basically, if you have architectural issues uh, and you need somebody to draw something up for you, I mean, contact Ryan. Yeah, we he's, promise he, he'll do more than sidewalk art. Right. He's he's kept us going, and it would be good if our if our uh, people that enjoy the content would do the same for him. Uh, Hoops Brewing, we just talked to Dave uh, a minute ago. Brian, what's out today? Some sort of beer? Cherry Ale. Oh, yes. I will be there right after high school hockey on these airwaves. Denfeld Orono at 2. Brian Prudhomme, Cherry Ale, about 5. And a short-term run. He said that there's more cherries, less less quantity. So if you want yours, you got to go get it. OAR Holdings, Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Element Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor and into Harbors, Blackwater Downtown and Tavern on the Hill, Avenue 45, the Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's, Bikes, Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Comfort Systems of Duluth, Mike Regan Christensen Group Insurance, and Brian, let's go back to Arola Architecture Studio. Absolutely, we do appreciate them. Dave Cook, you may remember about a year ago at this time, I think it was maybe a day ago a year ago as well, we talked about the Great Skate, or the Portman Great Skate, I believe is the technical term, and that's called an annual event. It's time to talk about it once again. Absolutely. You know, one of the great things about our community is uh, our rinks, right? The different uh, the different parks in the area that have rinks associated with them, and more and more uh, groups are coming together to help fund and make them better. And and this is the big thing about the Portman Great Skate is it's your opportunity to come and have fun, raise a little bit of money uh, to make the uh, arena or, sorry, make the rink and the area around the rink more fun. Absolutely. And last year we had the help of Keith Johnson to promote the event, and he's so gracious to do it again. We appreciate it. Keith, good morning. Good morning. So let's talk a little bit about that great skate because I want to emphasize the skate piece because, yes, this is a hockey fundraiser. <laughs> But you don't have to come play hockey next Saturday. You can come and skate, correct? Uh, well, we'll see what the we'll weather see. does for yeah. us, first of all. <laughs> we, 
But yes, anybody, uh, so, you know, thinking back to last year, it turned out to be a great event. We had a lot of community members come and, and just get on the ice, the pleasure rink, uh, both of our hockey rinks that we had going. Um, and yeah, anybody can come and enjoy the festivities. We have uh, food available for purchase. Um, it's just a, a really fun event. Last year we had some uh, East hockey players come. We might have a few more come this year. And really, it's all focused on the kids, and we just want to create an event to, to help build our community uh, and just show the kids a good time. Absolutely, and you segued nicely with your initial response of the we'll see. Now, the event is scheduled for next Saturday. That's December 16th from 3 to 6, and there are a lot of us that are enjoying this warmer December. When it comes to maintaining and utilizing a hockey rink outdoors, that enjoyment is not there. Is there a plan B if Mother Nature continues to please some of us, but not all of us? I it, This is really killing me. I mean, I have never been hoping so hard for cold weather uh, in my life, and I think pretty much every area hockey association is probably thinking the same thing because we're to the point now where indoor ice is really hard to come by as tournaments and games start. So we're, we're hoping to push through. It's really not looking good. Um, as far as a plan B, we're not going to postpone it or anything like that. The event is going to happen no matter what on Saturday. Uh, it could, could turn into a soccer game. It could turn into kickball. Who knows? It's just going to depend on what we have. And if we have a, a little bit of ice down, maybe we'll have some boot hockey opportunities for the kids. But, you know, the skating part of it, like I kind of alluded to, is sort of secondary to just the overall, you know, building of our, our community and just – getting everyone together, you know, from our mini mites all the way up through our mite twos and just, you know, continuing to, to foster that, that community that we, that we have. So again, we are chatting with Keith Johnson about the Portman great skates. Again, the event is next Saturday, December 16th from three to six again at Portman in Duluth. And if the event alters a bit because of the weather and let's face it in this area, we're used to that, but we're used to it on the other side. If it's too cold, too snowy, too windy, we're used to, kind of having makeshift events, not necessarily used to too warm. But the good news is if it alters at all and if the crowds get altered, donations don't have to change because you've got a QR code, you've got a link. There's plenty of ways whether you attend or not to help this, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, So, so far, you know, we set a goal this year of $10,000 in donations. And as of now, we're right about 8,500. So we are very close to our goal. And we have 138 different donors that have donated so far. And and basically what we ask our kids to do is just go out and and ask people to support them for their year of hockey um, and especially for this event. Uh, And it it started last year. And I remember you kind of riding us a little bit about our first annual uh, Great Skate last year. Journalism 101. Yeah, now you can do that. Yes. We can officially say second annual yes. uh, because it is our second year. So it, it worked out great. Last year we set a goal of, I think, eight, seven or $8,000, and we surpassed it close to 11000 So we, we kind of upped it a little bit more this year, uh, and we're getting really close. And, you know, we offer incentives for kids. You know, some of our, our top donation collectors will be eligible for prizes. Uh, this year new, we have standings for all of our, our teams, like how much can their own team donate. Uh, we'll give a, a pizza party to the, the top Mike 2 and the top nice. Mike 1 team who raises the most. So kids really get into it. Uh, the parents do too. We, uh, My wife actually creates little social media posts uh, that 
parents can ask her to put together with a little quote about what kids love about Portman and a picture, and that's been circulating around too. So, yeah, we, we really do a lot, and it's all, you know, focused on these kids and trying to give them the best, you know, opportunities that we can. So, again, it's the Portman Great Skate next Saturday, December 16th from 3 to 6. And, again, all of the events proceeds will benefit Portman Hockey. It's to cover the costs associated with equipment, facilities, and, of course, the various tournaments throughout the year. Getting details now from Keith. And, of course, you can get details online at DuluthHockey.com. So, Keith, one of my questions was, you know, when fundraisers often happen, there's a there's a thing in mind, an upgrade or an addition to uh, the rink or to the warming house or anything like that. Is there a goal, something that, that the Portman Group really wants to upgrade with some of this money? Well, yeah, and, you know, this last summer, because of all the, you know, the money that we were able to raise uh, last year, we made some major, uh, you know, groundwork. We made some major groundwork improvement on our rink because we had some uh, pretty bad drainage issues last year. And if you've ever been to Portman, you know, we have, it's kind of down in the, the valley almost and with all the snow that we had last year and all the extreme temperature swings from warm to cold we had a lot of melting uh that made some for some pretty bad ice the zamboni went through the ice a couple different times last year just because it got undermined by all that water so we we put in a lot of money to hopefully address those issues this year um a big cost for us this year too has been you know indoor ice and that's going to be continuing here we're, we're going to try to find ice wherever we can get it and it's nice knowing that you know because of the efforts of all the kids like we have that money to spend so we've found ice up in two harbors we've gone to carlton and it, it is nice not really you know having to worry about those sorts of things too much the more hockey we can get these kids playing the better so let's talk a little bit about last year's event let's focus on the positive and say the weather cooperates enough for this to at least be similar with that first debut event, are most of the kids coming, having hockey games break out, or is it legitimately just skating where people are just enjoying and lap skating, or is there enough of a combination of those that were in attendance? So we, we ran some games. So we didn't have actual you know hockey games going on. Kids do enough of that, but we had uh, sort of one where they had to skate so many laps in a certain time. We had an obstacle course set up for kids. We had some shooting games for them to participate in. And yeah, those could all happen again. They might not. So it could be a last second decision for how the actual event will take place. But we're pretty confident no matter what direction we take, uh, everyone will have a lot of fun. Yeah, looking at my weather app, I'm hoping for you guys next week. But Mother Nature, too cooperative for those that like high temperatures. But at the same time, I want to talk a little bit about that because it could cause some difficulty for next Saturday's event. But the warm weather has been here for a while. How much havoc has that already reeked on the schedules for the various levels at Portman? Uh, so we're this week would have been the week where we started outdoor practice on a typical year. So we, we get so much indoor ice from Daha in October and November, uh, you know, before those tournaments start getting, get going. So Daha allocates ice. And then we can also go out, like I said, and find more opportunities at some of the, the local area rinks. But now this is to the point where, we don't have it and it's not really available. So we're, we're hoping that more opportunities will come, but it, it is wreaking some havoc on us right about this time of the year. So again, the great skate for Portman hockey will be December 16th. That's next Saturday from three to six. That's, that's perfect timing. Cause I don't know if you're a Vikings fan like I am, but the Vikes have been uh, 
flexed, if you will, to a Saturday noon game at the Bengals. So people looking for a post-game activity, that's pretty perfect. Yeah, I didn't even know that. All right. I there you go. On top of that Break, stuff, breaking so news information for, for you. Trying to help as best I can. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of helping, though, again, if attendance is tough for some people, there are ways to donate, ways to still help out. Maybe you're someone like me who, who can't skate if they tried but still want to help the community. <laughs> Recap for us again, Keith, how people can do that. Sure. Uh, if you go to portmanhockey.com, uh, front and center on our, our website is a QR code and also a link to click on. explains the process. And if you have a skater in mind that you want to sponsor, uh, if you're making a, a PayPal donation, you just attach their name uh, in the comment and it goes to the standings that we're keeping and all the awards. Uh, and one other thing, too, I did want to mention is we do have some generous sponsors helping us out with this, too. Sammy's Pizza is one just across the street. Uh, OMC is donating this year. Super One, Play It Again, Costco, and also uh, UMD is, is helping us out. So, yeah, we, we couldn't do this not only without the, the kids' support, but also, you know, our, our community sponsors, too. Absolutely. We know exactly what that's like here at the Northland Sports Page. Speaking nope. of which... I know I rode you guys a little bit and you called me on it and I appreciate it because I've known you and your wife for a while. So I don't mind chuckling about it. The journalist in me didn't like the term first annual because I used to do it and I got a lot of grief for it too. But now that it is indeed an annual event, it sounds like it's going to want to become that for years to come. If there are businesses out there listening going, you know what, I'd I'd sponsor that. How can they do that? Uh, Sure. Yeah. You can reach out to our email inbox, portmanbruins at gmail.com. And I'll be the one monitoring that so I can pass that information along to, you know, the, the board members who are, you know, putting their time and effort into making this great skate happen. Portman Bruins at gmail.com. All right, Keith. So anything on the proverbial wish list for next Saturday besides cool enough weather to pull this off? What Dave kind of alluded to it earlier, but but the big kind of elephant in the room that Portman has a need for is what? Uh, I would say just continued uh, facility upgrades. You know, the indoor portion of our building uh, is old, and there are definite improvements that need to be made. Uh, We're looking ahead, you know, to the future and some of that athletic reinvestment money coming in. So I think there's going to be a matching portion that we might be in charge of. And to, to down the road, you know, five years down the road, Portman could look a lot different uh, than it currently does right now. Well, we will hope for the best for you next Saturday. We're bumping you out with a little ice ice baby from Vanilla Ice. If only it was like skiing where Spirit Mountain can just make their snow. Is there a way we can make ice for you? I promise I'd do it. But I hope next Saturday goes well. Thanks for making this Saturday go well for us and joining us again. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. That's our guy. That's Keith Johnson. The great skate at Portman is next Saturday. It is from 3 to 6. We hope. Who knew that too warm would be a bad thing? But in that scenario, it is. Yeah, it it stinks when you have a fundraiser based around ice and you're not going to have ice. That does make it difficult. Hard to argue with that. Hard to argue with a good segment there, though. We've got one left. You know who's coming. Vincey Glenn. We do the safety dance. Talk to our favorite safety in just a moment. Last segment. Stick around. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
It is our final segment on the Northland Sports page. You know what it is. That's the safety dance, which means it's time for our favorite safety. Vincey Glenn joins us as part of the Drawing Lines segment. Drawing Lines was invented by the OG of our old architecture studio. I will cover that one. You're going to take care of the rest, Dave Cook. Job, Brian. You did a nice job of covering a role architecture studio. I just want to say that was quality. Thank you. You didn't do a very good job of turning your mic on. Hoops Brewing, uh, where you can get your cherry ale starting now. And you better get it because they're not going with a long version. They're going with a very cherry version. Don't threaten me with a good time. OAR Holdings, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Element Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Downtown here, Blackwater, and Tavern on the Hill, Avenue 45, the Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's, Bikes, Sports, and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Comfort Systems, and Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. So incredibly grateful for our great sponsors, very grateful for the weekly appearances that Vency Glenn appears to be ready to make each and every Saturday with us, at least during football season. I love talking to him anytime. We get to talk to him a little bit more today, a little longer segment for him. Two five. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you? Doing very, very well. We can hear you perfectly. During the break, there we couldn't, but I'm glad that we can now. So technology was in our favor. Speaking of in our favor, the Vikings out in Vegas. Do you expect things to work out in their favor tomorrow? They've they've been an enigma their last couple games. We never know what to expect. Is Jefferson playing this game? Word is yes. Is Word is yes. Okay. This two very alike teams. Both of them are struggling on offense. Uh, I think I will give the Vikings the edge on, as far as defensive performance is going to play. But this is just two teams just trying to find their identity and maybe scrap their way into the playoffs uh, with a little help from uh, other teams uh, uh, out there in their division. But Raiders aren't going to the playoffs. They're just trying to find their identity so they have something positive to go into next year with. It'll be interesting because we're looking at potential O'Connell on O'Connell crime, whether it's Kevin O'Connell's team making life difficult for Aiden or vice versa. Aiden O'Connell should get the start for the Raiders tomorrow. First thing you asked, though, Vency, is Jefferson playing? And it's a worthy question because that's what the fans want to know, too. Josh Dobbs has struggled, but he's getting the call again tomorrow. Having a weapon like Justin Jefferson could be a good thing, but I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. We knew in the Mike Tice era that there was a Randy ratio as well, and Get him the ball, get him the ball, get him the ball. Is it possible that Josh Dobbs says, I got the best receiver in the game. That's that's who I'm going to go to constantly now. And he fails to go through his reads correctly. He's a very a very highly intelligent guy, as you can see. Anybody deals with high, uh, NASA, their, their intelligence level is real high. No doubt. It's just that, you know, when you go through a lot of systems, and you just find ways, because he's, he's a gamer. He just finds ways to try to get the job done. He doesn't excel in anything just, just tremendous. The more you run, the, the less you're able to read defenses and understand what they're trying to do to you. And the more you stand back there and get hit, you're probably going to get put out the game and, and be hurt for the season. So he's in a predicament where he's still trying to learn and learn his players and teammates to get their trust. But at the same time, they're just not a very good offensive team. They they struggle. And so their defense has held them in there. He just has to find a way to keep them in the game and give them a chance to win in the fourth quarter. It's just that simple. You know, Vancey, you were talking earlier about uh, two teams trying to find an identity. 
at what point as a player do you look around and say, you know, we should have had an identity by now? Uh, and if so, when when do you think that starts to come to fruition when we, we know who we are? I'm going to be honest with you. The teams that have an identity just look at their head coach, look at them, not just because of analytical stats and they say that he's a guru in his mind, but look what he brings to the table. You have to have a manhood of a coach to go out and coach these young kids today. You can't be on the same level. You have to have that edge where they totally respect you when they walk in the locker room. And that's tough when you're a young coach. You know what I'm saying? These young guys are very hard to be coachable and attention to detail on a regular basis. You look at the great ones like Mike Tumman. He's struggling with his locker room. When great coaches struggle, that's a locker room issue, man. You ain't quite got the leaders you need in there to help you keep these guys focused for four to five months uh, during the season and then going into the playoffs. So it's, it's real difficult to, to, to say this team is this way and this team is that way, especially after one injury. Most teams lose their identity if one of their starters get hurt. No question about that. Talking about some heavy material with heavy hitting Vincey Glenn of the Vikings days of old. Vincey, I want to have a little bit of fun with this question because you played the Raiders plenty because you were part of the AFC West in your Chargers days. Obviously, the Raiders have changed location several times, and, and now they're in Las Vegas. Is there part of you that would have said, hey, I would have loved a road trip to Vegas? Or as a player, does the city not matter because it's still a business trip and, and your itinerary is booked with football mainly 24-7? Or is there part of you that said, hey, road trip to Vegas, sounds good to me. Where was that when I played? No, I would have said, no, I'm good going to Vegas. (laughs) I can go to Vegas on my own. And most guys have already been to Vegas. It's a distraction, man. It's it's for the fans. They do that for the fans. The players, man, they'll play anyway, just put us in our surroundings. And that's why fans can't come on the field. That's why fans can't interact. That's why sideline coaches got to keep their hands to themselves. Because too many people fully get involved in the yeah. game. So, so it's a distraction, to be honest, when you're going in visiting. You know you got everybody that might be a fan of yours coming into town, staying at the same hotel. And you just like, you can't go out? Well, you're going to go out in Vegas. Right. Hey, are you kidding? You get mugged and get robbed or anything can happen in Vegas, man. So just your movement is not the same. And you want to get in there and get out and get back home. That's why they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But one quick piggyback off of that, we've seen Vegas make it as an NHL market. That team is succeeding, and the fans are following accordingly. Looks like they're going to get baseball at the expense of the Oakland A's. They've got the Raiders. Now, it's nowhere near the black hole from what I've been told, but do you think Vegas is going to succeed as an NFL market? Absolutely. My brother lives in Vegas. Matter of fact, if you need a Jeep, he's the sales manager at Henderson uh, Jeep over there in Henderson. So, uh, yeah, Vegas, I, I was over there earlier this year a couple times, and they love it. Man, they're one of the richest cities in America. People don't know that. That's why all the people from the Silicon Valley, when they had to spend that money, come on over to Vegas, man, build these $20 million, $30, $30 million houses up there. It's, it's phenomenal, Vegas. It's not the old Vegas. I was dumbfounded earlier this year when I went over. So, yes, they are going to succeed. They're already succeeding hockey and WNBA. Can yeah, you imagine right, when the they get the they have. rolling and everything? They're, they're rolling in Vegas. So they've got the money, but they don't have the intimidation anymore. Is, is playing the Raiders on the road just a totally different experience, you figure? Because 
Tell us about some of yours, because it had to be different when the black hole was what we know it to be. Yeah, you know, well, it's it's different. Back then, when you played the Raiders, you had Al Davis. You knew you had the Marcus Allens and you had the traditionals. That organization, since Al Davis has left, passed away, God bless his soul, because I love playing against him. It's just changed. The identity, the musical chairs with the coaches, all that. That's not Raider mentality. That's not – a lot of the Raider guys are my friends. I was with them Monday at a celebrity bowling event. That's not Raider football. That's not what the old heads like. They want to get in there and play. And even the players like that old mystique of the Raiders being with the Raiders, you know. But – the organization, for some reason, wants to play pancake with offensive coordinators and head, and head coaches instead of saying, let's get back to Raider football. And for some reason, hopefully, I thought they were going that way when they got a Devontae Adams. And if they let Antonio Pierce stay there, I think in two within two years, they'll have that mystique because they have the players. And so uh, the mystique is there still, I believe, because – they're loved. They're definitely loved down here in San Diego. Trust me. <laughs> That's now they are, years, certainly, yeah. No doubt. But even when I played here, they, they would fill up half the stadium, just like when Green Bay comes to Minneapolis. They got a whole lot of fans in there, too. So it's back and forth. And, and that's what they're missing. I think they have the players. They just don't have a leader to lead them. Very good point. It reminds me, Dave, when we had Tim Brown on the show back in April and we talked a little bit about Raiders football, they've gone from Al Davis to the younger Davis, who's more noted for a bad haircut, but the mystique may be on its way back. Go ahead. Yeah, speaking of mystique, hey, Vince, I have a quick question for you. Um, We saw on Monday night, we saw the inconsistency with officiating in the game. As a player, you know, we, we talk about game planning, right? Do you game plan for officials as well, their tendencies? No, I just cussed them out when I was on the field. (laughs) (laughs) man it is truly sad how bad officiating is man because now guys these guys got egos you walk around you look at the official he got arms bigger than J.J. Watt and Bosa and them out there (laughs) he's like man they're loving you remember when Ed Hockley was the exception now he's the norm go ahead and so you, you look at it, even in basketball, bro, and they make it personal. They make it personal. Yeah. Like in basketball, you can't wave your hand at them. That's a sign of disrespect. And, like, you know, just the little things they give this, these guys. So, But the penalty for them is what? When they blow a game call like they did in Kansas City. That's garbage, man. That's garbage. Even yeah. though I'm a defensive guy, that's garbage. Then you go to the very next play. And the guy pushes him in the back. You have to, that's your job to see that. Yep. How can you be, but but you can call when you're 20 yards away, you call illegal contact on a DB just just running with the guy and ain't even been just fighting for the ball. And you'll call that call all day long. Yeah. Or you'll call a hand to the helmet against the quarterback. You'll make these bogus calls all day long that were like, come on, man, you really looking for that? And the obvious that determines games, that determines games are not called. As a, as a player, as a fan, as just somebody watching, I'm mad because I know in the real world that's BS. 
I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Don't nah. tell me how great you are. No, nah, you're yeah. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They doubled and tripled down on terrible calls or no calls down the stretch of that Chiefs-Packers game specifically. Betsy, I had a question posed by a listener earlier this week and asked if I would run it by you, and I probably have to some extent already, but I want to be as detailed as this listener was. Now, we've talked about how many first-string quarterbacks have gone down this season. You know, Cousins, Burrow, Rodgers, several more. Nobody looked at this game against the Raiders and said, can't wait to see Josh Dobbs against Aiden O'Connell in December. That wasn't on anybody's docket. Do you think there's a reason for this? Because Chad Greenway said injuries are guaranteed in the NFL. They just happen. You've said before, people don't take the proper care of their bodies, and then the injury risk is too high. Is it a mixture of those two things? Is it how much quarterbacks are dropping back to pass because that's the way the game is played? Or is this just bad luck? Because we've got a lot of big-name quarterbacks done already. Is that your question or Dave's question? That's me. Okay. Then you have caught up this year with Dave on a great question. That's a great question. I've been waiting to have this conversation with you guys. Please I'll take that. Question, my man. All right. So this is, this is what happens. You put so much emphasis on the quarterback in the NFL and the wide receiver. And I think I kind of mentioned it. You just put so much emphasis. You're trying to make these quarterbacks out to be the next Peyton Mannings and Drew Breeses and things like that. They aren't these guys. Oh, he's a great athlete. He can run. He can do this. Oh, this receiver makes these great catches. That's because the game has allowed them to prosper in that kind of environment. So what happens? I'm Jefferson. I catch 119 balls a year. That's probably 155 to 60 targets. Right. That's 119 hits my body got to take, probably a few more if I'm blocking and doing some other things. Are you able to take that kind of hit week in and week out for the next eight, eight, nine years? No. Tom Brady said it great uh, a couple weeks ago when he was talking about the mediocre NFL. He didn't throw guys, put the ball over the middle for guys to get knocked out and things like that. That's the quarterback's job. But now since you can't hit, these quarterbacks just throw it up. And they put these receivers in vulnerable positions. They're going to get hit, and the DB's going to get flagged because this guy's up in the air twisting and turning, and you're going to lay wood to him because he's vulnerable. Why is he vulnerable? Because the way the quarterback threw the ball and made him vulnerable. If Joe Montana would have threw it to Jerry Rice, would Jerry Rice would get knocked out, Jerry Rice would have been in the league for three years. And done. Good quarterbacks don't put their players in positions to get hurt. So now, you got to, when I play, you average 28, 29 passes a game. You get a two minute, you might get to 34, 35, you know, where somewhere up in there. But these guys are throwing so much that you don't have the guys to block them. And these DNs are good, and sooner or later, they're going to get hit and they're going to get hurt because they're not training their bodies to get hit and hurt. So it's just the way the league is, and they put so much emphasis on the quarterback. Now, if you ain't got a good second-string quarterback, you can pretty much kiss your season goodbye. I think you're absolutely right. Betsy, that's a great way to end the show. You are the best. We will talk. You and I will talk probably tomorrow, but I'll talk to you on the air next Saturday. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Absolutely. Betsy. That's 2-5. That's Vincey Glenn. That's a heck of a show. We got to go. Denfeld and Orono, 2 o'clock. I'll be with John Carlson. We'll talk to you then. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.